0: Do you know what time it is? It's time for The Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM.
1: Welcome to the Cyber Edition of the Workforce Show. I'm Jeremy Haas, and I'm here with my co-host, Olga Polischuk. Uh In this program, we talk with a variety of guests about the field of cyber and careers in cyber. And as we've talked about in the past, cyber is a very diverse field, and it's much more than IT or engineering, and that's one of the reasons I'm really excited for our guest today. Um, Olga is going to introduce her. So.
0: Sure. Hope you guys have been tuning into our show in the last year. As we focus on all topics cyber and workforce, and we're very excited today because it's the first time we actually have a recruitment and HR management expert, Krista James, joining us today. She's the co-founder and managing partner at the Verity Group, HR and recruiting consulting firm in Washington, D.C., um, she supports clients across multiple industries and brings in wealth of experience within all facets of the human resources function. So welcome, Krista. Um, and uh, first of all, you know, tell us a little bit
2: about how you launched the Verity Group. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. So my business partner, Maureen Menger, Var and I launched our company about four and a half years ago. And we had been doing HR consulting for a large worldwide international consulting firm and running their HR and recruiting practice, their outsourced HR and recruiting practice, supporting clients and at that time we realized we just love supporting entrepreneurs, growing companies, mid-size firms and supporting so many in this location frankly they're emerging, they're growing, they're they're having these unique challenges that only those that really are involved in that size firm understand. So at that point, we decided to spin off. And we, we spun off about four and a half years ago and support a, a wide variety of different clientele in all sizes, all industries, heavy technology and cyber, obviously, and support with the whole HR function, all the way from the recruitment through helping people develop and grow throughout their career and ensuring that the company is successful. So,
1: can you talk a little bit um, more about your background and, and some of the? Because so, one one of the things that I'm you know looking forward to most in this conversation is you know you have exposure to lots of different clients, you see what people are looking for in terms of of skills and experience, um, you have a focus in and technology and mm-hmm. and cyber, and so so your your view and perspective, you know, which I think is probably. Um, normal and everyday for you would be super unique for, for for some of the folks listening to this program.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's exciting in and of itself to me, frankly, because, yeah, a lot of people think of HR and recruiting and it's this mundane environment. And, you know, from my perspective, it's very exciting. So uh, a little bit about my background. So I didn't always think I would be in HR. I always knew I was a people person, outgoing, you know, had these qualities that now looking back It was a natural transition. Um, But I was always focused kind of on the STEM environment. It's just my family had a lot of engineers. Um, I was always big into math and sciences. I originally went to school for genetics, actually, and then realized, okay, I like people too much. I need to make a transition and gravitated towards marketing and sociology and the business side of things. And in doing so, um, while I was... In college, I got linked up with a emerging midsize government contractor here in this area, actually, that dealt with technology aspects and began interning in their HR department. And so that was my initial, I would say, exposure into the HR field and subsequently really just fell in love with it and fell in love with helping people find Things that they enjoy helping people thrive in environments and likewise being able to bring what some call a kind of new perspective to HR. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, recruiting, HR development, those sorts of things, it's black and white. Well, the reality is there's a lot of gray, and part of what we do is help figure out how people can be successful and how our clients can be successful utilizing the tools available to them. Um, So even from a technology standpoint, one thing I love is utilizing the technology in our work, you know, the metrics from an applicant and recruiting standpoint. You know, there's so many things nowadays that people don't realize you can do even not being technically HR isn't a, technical role right but there are very there are absolutely aspects that can become technical and that you can use these um whether it's metrics or systems or whatever it is to make the job better and i would say more in a more in line with kind of the age of today and what people are expecting
0: how do you uh, view LinkedIn and the overall role of social media? In, in yeah, that's work? a good
2: question. I, I heard recently that actually Facebook fills more jobs than even like LinkedIn or any other social media platform. It is interesting, especially I think when I would be interested to see a little bit more of those metrics, frankly, right? <laughs> like what caliber of roles, what level, those sorts of things. But in and of itself, networking is key. And I think the nice thing about social media is it allows you to stay connected with people that you may not have otherwise. Um, Personally, right, so this is where kind of the recruiting mindset comes in. People will look you up, so make sure your stuff's professional. I can't tell you the amount of things I've seen when you, you find a candidate that seems excellent and you look them up on Facebook and it's whether inappropriate or there's concerning things on there for some of these very critical roles. You know, a lot of times we're dealing with people that are assessing threats or assessing incidents. And and if you're concerned because of what you're seeing on their profiles, then I would imagine that's a natural concern, right? So social media is extremely important and networking as a whole is extremely important and utilizing it correctly, I think, Will, will set people apart. It also, in some cases, could be a detriment depending on how people use it or don't, I suppose.
0: So how can somebody who is entering the workforce stand out? On yeah. Media? The,
2: I would encourage them to make sure it's professional, obviously. And that that would go across all social media um, sites these days, right? Now there's Instagram and all of these things that even you know, I don't even, I'm not even extremely knowledgeable about all of them. But LinkedIn is definitely a huge one. LinkedIn and Facebook, I would say, would be the two biggest. Um, for LinkedIn, definitely ensure it's professional. Review contacts, review networks. When you're going to these networking events, make sure you're connecting with people, um, making sure that you have all the appropriate information on your profile. I always recommend to people, Refine it for what you want to find. You know, if you're, you just graduated with a cyber degree, but you spent all your last years as a, you know, I don't know, real estate agent, I'm making this up, of course. Let's focus on the things that are relevant because your 15 years experience as a real estate agent won't likely bring you the qualifications you need to land the role you want. So focusing on what's relevant and then making sure to stay engaged. And so that you're, whether it's that you're, following companies that you're interested in and engaging with them in terms of social media or engaging with your contacts, your network, posting updates, posting things. It's definitely becoming far more prevalent these days than even it was, I would say, three years ago. People are Mm -hmm. using LinkedIn more of almost a daily social media platform where three, five years ago it was Almost just like a resume houser, right? That's where you'd update. You'd update it when you left a position or got a new one or added a contact, rather than a daily update or a weekly update or anything.
1: Do you, do you do you? Um, what are your thoughts on the paid features associated with
2: LinkedIn? Yeah, that's a good question. So personally, um, there, so and this might be something a lot of people don't know. So recruiters, they there's LinkedIn recruiting components. So as like someone who has LinkedIn recruiter, for example, I could look up anyone's profile and you know how you can see who's looked at your profile. I can look at it through a different lens and no one will ever know I looked at their profile. So there's, at, and that's key because a lot of people will think, oh, I'll just see if someone looks at my profile. Well, that's not always the case. So there's paid components for job seekers or just a standard user. There's also paid components that companies use to use LinkedIn as a recruiting tool, um, which is where having the, and, and you'll be able to do the Boolean searches and all of this. So that's why having the keywords and all the details that are appropriate on your LinkedIn profile there. Um, some of the paid features Could also help you get more exposure, I think, depending on what you intend on using them for. Um, I think a lot of it is personally the way I approach these things, it's more networking. So I think some of the page features, maybe they'll be useful for some people, but I think if you use a social media platform like that appropriately um, and vet your network and utilize your connections and utilize the, the, things related to those connections that you think will help expand your job search or um, your ability to get a new job in a new industry that may be more worth, quote unquote, the time and money, right? So I think it's where you spend the time and where you spend the money to make it successful for what you want to do. And for some people, perhaps the paid feature is really the best way to go. Mm-hmm. So I think you can upgrade to, like, pro and all of these different profile levels. I don't know. I don't know what what someone would really use them for that would make it so worth it. Um, a lot of people use it, I think, if they're in more of that business development side mm-hmm. of things versus necessarily finding a new job or breaking or like into an a new influencer career. Influencer. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You. We keep hearing in the 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 world of cyber that there's this shortage of mm-hmm. of people and skills and just workforce in general. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on that? You know, as you're in the trenches doing recruiting, trying to match people with open positions.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's very interesting because in some, for some positions in some industries, absolutely, there's a huge shortage. For other positions, perhaps in the same industry, there might be a lot that that are qualified. Being that cyber is such a a field that's on so many people's radars, is of interest to so many, rightfully so. I mean, you hear about it constantly. It's only becoming more, I would say, key to both personal security, company security, all of these things. It's becoming so much more prevalent that people are going back to school to get degrees, you know, they they got their original degree in journalism or something completely unrelated and they're going back to pursue higher education. So the entry level positions so many applicants and that it can be part of the challenge in that there's so many people trying to make a career switch and they're willing and and reasonable when it comes to, okay, I recognize I'm going to have to kind of start over in terms of my career. Well, they're competing with people that are entering the workforce without having 15 years of some practical experience that have technically the same qualifications as it relates to the um, specific job-related qualifications. So for entry-level positions, the job market can be could be considered even saturated, especially in this area. We have some great schools that have great programs um, in cybersecurity. And one of the other things we see a lot, which leads into where there is a qualified candidate shortage, I'll call it, is the the definitely mid-level. In any industry, nearly any position, that two to five-year person is extremely hard to find. Um, I don't you could be doing a salesperson in a technical role, a technical environment. It could be hard. HR, it can be challenging to find, much less a role like this or a field like this, cyber and engineering, hands-on. It's hands down. You ask nearly any person, they're going to say 90% of the time that's the hardest level to find.
1: Do, do you know why that is?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it is. At that point, people aren't wanting to change companies, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people look at the longevity, which is great and lends itself to success in other areas, right? Retention might be up in certain levels of positions, but those roles can just be so hard to find. Um, or that level of, of a wide variety of different roles can be very challenging. And then you get into perhaps even the more senior it comes down to the qualified applicants, right? And that's really where there's a key. I I could sit here and say no, technically in terms of the applicants we're getting, we're getting a decent flow. But if ninety nine percent are qualified for one reason or the other, and we can t- obviously talk about that at length, there uh, there begs the question: Okay, well, is there a job? Uh, is there a candidate shortage? And there absolutely is, but it's in the qualified component. And in this geographical location, especially a huge component of that is the push and pull between commercial and federal. Um, Especially the government contractor spin is a huge. I I spoke to someone the other day that, well, they've had kind of the key number of years, right? Four years of cyber uh, threat experience. They had done it. They were supporting a a federal agency with a government contractor and. They said their specific thing that they touch is so narrow to that one specific customer that it's really hard to translate that well into anything that would be useful or valuable outside of that one group. And that is something that is reoccurring, Um, even frankly, I guess, from from a commercial company to another commercial company, if there's not similar expectations then uh, of what similar rules would do, that also can create a uh, difference. Because, for example, if let's talk talking broadly about commercial companies, if they have People that are so segmented into, okay, I will only handle these aspects of cyber. I will only touch these aspects of cyber threats or perhaps extremely narrow on an industry focus. And that's one thing I've seen lately. You know, um, someone worked for a cyber in a cyber threat role, but for a healthcare company, for example, well, the cyber things they're researching are so specific that it's very hard to easily translate that out into practical world, real world experience for you know 95% of the commercial cyber population, um, and so that that's a hard one for people to realize. I think people realize that if they've been doing anything that's perhaps even related, it's could be very easily transferable. Um, And while that may be the case, companies are obviously hoping to find someone that could hit the ground running in a lot of cases, whereas they wouldn't require as much training, which is where figuring out looking longer term at your career progression, and and playing out kind of the five-year plan, even when you're starting out is important And, and understanding where you can flex and where you can take your career based on where you are starting and where you're employed now.
0: And you brought, you brought up both the private sector and the federal mm-hmm. sector. Um, what are your recommendations to somebody who's transferring between the sectors?
2: Oh, good question. It's a very challenging one, and it's one that many people try and do. And And part of the reason is, you know, maybe it's that they don't, think the federal space or the government contracting space is as sexy or, you know, they're not using the the hottest new technology or, or whatever it is. And my recommendation would be to really plan it out. I definitely wouldn't shoot blindly because that could be the biggest opportunity to use your network. And part of the reason I say that is oftentimes individuals that are making that transition will need to require some additional training, not all their Experience is actually relevant because of what they've been doing, the technology they've been doing, Um, and even frankly, not in the cyber space. But I speak to developers all the time that have come from being either embedded within the government or working for a government contractor. And a lot of times, the technology is not at all what the commercial market is using these days in terms of engineering or development. So it's not even just cyber, frankly. It can be a big challenge switching from federal too commercial. Um, so I would tell people that this would be a great opportunity to use your network and, and be realistic. People often will expect, okay, I have that five years experience. I'm going to go for that senior role or I'm going to expect the similar compensation that I'm making. Um, and it's not always realistic or rather even it's typically not realistic um, because you have to consider that all the experience isn't going to be relevant, and it's not going to translate over as well. And then the compensation structure is different. So people just need to be realistic about that.
1: For some of these reasons, would you would you advise someone not to become too specialized?
2: I would advise – I think it's – specialization, I think, is excellent if people know that's what they're going to want to continue in. And, I, and, and to a certain extent, that's hard, right? I may – 15 years from now want to change careers, right? It's hard to really say 20 years from now if I'm going to still love what I'm doing as much as I do today. But I, I think recognizing that it could pigeonhole you or recognizing really that, Breakpoint. okay, I'm five years in, if I'm going to do it, now's my time to make a career change, knowing that I might have to take a little bit of a pay cut, I'm going to have to go through whether it's training or, or do these things that might disrupt my life uh, more than it has currently, be mindful of those things so that you can make appropriate decisions based on w- whether or not you want to specialize. And if you do choose to specialize, I think more power to you, and that's excellent. And you can be just as successful choosing a specialty early on. It's just, you know, when you're, there's much, there's a lot different than if you're two years into a heavy specialized potential career versus when you're 10 years down the path. Much is different. And that change can be perhaps more disruptive the longer you are in it. So it's just something to always consider. So
0: aside from um, certifications, degrees, years of experience, mm-hmm. um, what are some other ways that candidates can showcase their core talents and skill sets?
2: That's a great question. The So there, I would say I would take this in stages, right? So the first the first hurdle you have to cross is be selected for often that initial conversation. So my advice to people when you're among a sea of many others trying to do the same is, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people have one generic resume. I think that is the biggest mistake people can make, and you need to have resumes that are very tailored to specific things, Um, whether it's your industry focus. Perhaps you are switching from the federal space to the commercial space or desiring to do that, pulling out the things that are really more heavy in the commercial space versus the federal is key. So having special or customized resumes would be my first recommendation to get the interest peaked. And then from there, a lot of it is also going to be culture fit and personality and talking through what Why am I interested in this company? What makes me unique? What provides – what would make the company want to select me over the five other people that are like me? And that's why having the personality, understanding, having good questions, knowing what the company does, having a good story is really, really key um, to to differentiating yourself.
1: Do you you see um, demand for specific experience or skills? Even in a specific education background,
2: yeah, it's interesting. The obviously in cyber, having a a, if you're early on in your career, having a related degree is key. Whether it's in cyber or perhaps engineering with maybe a cyber minor, you know, I, I do think people can be creative as well. You know, if you recognize you're wanting to go for a master's program. Maybe you do get your bachelor's degree in a, in an area that would be relevant, but doesn't necessarily have to be 100% the same, for example. I think a lot of it would depend on the role. Um, a lot of times when you're talking more on the entry-level side, degree is extremely important because that's really the only knowledge someone has had, right, is what they've learned practically from an education standpoint. More and more, as you get more experienced and people have that real world work experience, while degree is obviously still important, perhaps if it's in some completely different area, that's when the real world experience comes into play. Where what have you done on the job? What are the things you've ac- actually practically done? And It often depends based on the employer if they really would require that formal degree in that specialized area. A lot these days don't. A lot you'll see or relevant experience or related field or being able to at least show you have the level of knowledge required, whether it's from a unique background, practical work experience, education, doesn't always matter as much these days.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I, I'm certainly interested always in any sort of unique aspects
2: mm-hmm.
1: of of recruiting cyber people versus non-cyber people. Right. But, you know, in our last 30, 30 45 seconds—
2: yeah, I would definitely, especially in the cyber field, encourage people to use their networks, whether it's meetup groups, if it's going to um conferences or speakers or sessions, whatever it might be. Because the more you're relevant about unique things going on, specific companies in the area, specific companies that are of interest to you, the more relevant you'll seem. Um, and and the last thing I'd point on is just encouraging people, and this this somewhat touches on what we spoke about earlier about the specialty. continue to be relevant in whatever it is you want to do. It, it's not to, the world is changing. That's just the reality, especially in techno technology, cyber, Every few years, there's a, a brand new thing, frankly, maybe even every month, right? There's something new that happens, and we have to adjust. So continuing to stay relevant is, is key and would be a, a, absolutely be an aspect that I would encourage people to consider as they're embarking on their career.
0: That's a wonderful message. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: great. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us.
2: Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.